No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where as soon as the returning exiles from Babylon begin temple construction, they are opposed by their enemies. When you're doing God's will, expect opposition. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezra chapter 4 on Simply the Bible. True or false? If everything is going wrong, you're probably on the wrong track. Not necessarily so. When you are doing what God has called you to do, you can expect opposition. If you are simply a big zero, then the devil won't mess with you. But if you are making progress in the faith, then he has every diabolical reason to oppose you. Opposition tests us as to whether or not we will persevere in the face of it. Satan's scheme is to discourage us so that we will give up the work of the kingdom. But God's purpose is that we will persevere in obeying him and receive all that he has promised to the faithful. We continue today in Ezra chapter 4. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, there's a big clue in this passage because it says when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that they were building the temple. Beware when your adversaries offer to help you. These were the Samaritans, and it's helpful to know a little background on their history. When the northern kingdom of Israel was captured and destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 BC, the Assyrians repopulated the land. They brought foreigners who did not fear the Lord, and soon lions began killing these inhabitants. So they inquired of the king of Assyria to see how they could appease the god of this land. And the king sent a priest that he had taken captive to teach them how to fear the Lord. But the people continued to make gods of their own and worship them. We read in 2 Kings 17.33, They feared the Lord, yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. The Samaritans were a mixture, both racially and religiously. They worshipped Yahweh, but also the idols of the lands from where they came. So these Samaritans heard that the Jews were building the temple, so they came asking to take part in the construction. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. This seems like a cold-hearted rejection. Zerubbabel, the governor, and Jeshua, the high priest, said that they had no part in the project. They alone would build the temple according to the command of King Cyrus. 
Now, this passage used to trouble me. I mean, why wouldn't the Jews let their neighbors help? Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. The response of the Samaritans tells all. It shows their hearts were not right. They were more interested in opposing the Jews than in seeing the temple rebuilt. The problem was that their hearts were defiled by the other gods that they served. They immediately pulled out all the stops in doing everything they could to oppose the Jews, even hiring counselors against them to frustrate their plans. And they succeeded in delaying the project for about 15 years. Now, from the Jewish perspective, it was essential for them not to intermingle with these people who worshipped other gods. The whole reason they went into captivity in Babylon to begin with was because their fathers ignored the Lord's command to wipe out the pagan inhabitants of Canaan. Instead, they intermarried with them and began worshiping their gods. So after 70 years of captivity, the Jews were not about to repeat the same mistakes of their past. The Lord had given them this new opportunity and they weren't going to blow it. As Christians, we need to be careful about who we bring into our fellowship. There are people who claim to be Christians, but whose lifestyles contradict their profession. They are hypocrites. If we extend to them the right hand of fellowship while they are caught in the web of their own sins, then it will corrupt the church. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians who prided themselves in their tolerance of the sexually immoral among them. He said, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? You see, that's the problem when sin goes unchecked in a church. It is a cancer in the body that will destroy it if it is not effectively removed. Now, most of Ezra 4 deals with the tactics these enemies used to oppose the Jews. This is confusing because verses 6 through 23 are parenthetical, dealing with the opposition the Jews faced all the way until the time of Nehemiah. The author uses this opportunity to launch into all the resistance the Jews experienced at the hand of their neighbors over the next 75 years. Verse 6, In the reign of Ahasuerus, In the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. The Jews began reconstruction of the temple in 536 B.C. during the reign of King Cyrus. But this letter wasn't written until the time of King Ahasuerus, who began his reign 50 years later. His Greek name was Xerxes. He is the same king who married Esther. The next accusation was in the form of a letter written to King Artaxerxes, who reigned 464 to 424 BC. Artaxerxes was the son of Xerxes and the king to whom Nehemiah served as cupbearer. This was at least 72 years after they began reconstruction on the temple. That is why in verse 12 it speaks of the Jews finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. And in verse 16, it speaks of the city being rebuilt and the walls completed. 
This work began shortly before the time of Nehemiah. In this letter, they sought to destroy the reputation of the Jews by telling the king to search the archives of the kingdom to discover what a rebellious people the Jews had been. We pick it up in verse 12. Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem and are building the rebellious and evil city and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. Let it now be known to the king that if this city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. Now, because we receive support from the palace, it was not proper for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore, we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers, and you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces, and that they have incited sedition within the city in former times, for which cause this city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river. These enemies knew full well that the Jews had a terrible track record of rebellion. King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem three times because her kings would swear allegiance to him and then rebel. The last time he completely destroyed the walls of the city and the temple so they could never rebel again. These opposers knew that if King Artaxerxes searched records, then he would discover that the Jews were indeed rebellious and dangerous. In the same way, the devil comes against us. He reminds us of our past sins. He accuses us before God day and night. He seeks to use our failures to condemn us. And why does he do this? So that he can discourage us and make us quit our work for God. The truth is that we have all given the devil plenty of ammunition to use against us. But the greater truth is that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. And His blood was shed for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to remember this when the devil hurls his reviling accusations against us. In verses 17 through 22, King Artaxerxes replied to their letter. They searched the archives and, sure enough, found that Jerusalem indeed had a history of rebellion against the Babylonian kings. Therefore, the king ordered that the work on the city wall should stop. However, he did make provision that the work should cease until the command was given by him, which, of course, would occur during the time of Nehemiah. When the Samaritans received the king's reply, they went up in haste to Jerusalem and by force of arms made them cease. They probably even broke down the work they had already begun on the city walls. Verse 24, Thus the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia. Now this refers back to verse 5, when the Samaritans first began to oppose the Jews and frustrate their plans to rebuild the temple. The work on the temple stopped until the second year of Darius, which was 421 BC, or about 15 years after the work began. 
The temple wasn't completed until five years later in 516 B.C. Now, was it God's will for them to stop building the temple? There was certainly a decree issued by King Artaxerxes to stop them from building the walls of the city, but there was no decree recorded forcing them to stop building the temple. It seems that they just caved in to the opposition, became discouraged, and quit. We are encouraged in Scripture, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We must understand that if we are doing God's will, then we will face opposition. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So don't be caught off guard by opposition. Expect it. We must recognize that God is sovereign and he is superintending the circumstances of our lives. He has a plan and he often ordains that conflict is part of that plan. Where would David have been had it not been for the conflict with Goliath? That event catapulted him into stardom. However, we must be aware of the six fiery darts the devil fires at us. Doubt, discouragement, distraction, dissension, deception, and accusation. Ephesians 6, 10-20 gives us our battle plan for how we can put on the full armor of God and stand in the evil day. So when opposition comes, may God help us not to give up, but to press forward and overcome. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208-319-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Tomorrow we'll see where God raises up prophets Haggai and Zechariah to exhort the Jews to complete the temple. They get to work and the opposition starts. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ezra on Simply the Bible.